0: Good morning, I'm Brandon Barrett, lead pastor here at Grace Covenant. So if you're visiting, let me also extend a a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you could be with us this morning. And you find it's in the middle of a series on the book of James, so that's where we're going to be turning this morning. You'll find that if you're using one of our Pew Bibles on page 1011. James chapter 1, and this morning we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 21. So let me pray for us, and we'll dive right in. Let's pray. Father, here we are this morning amongst your people and before you. Uh, Some of us come this morning gratefully and glad. Some of us come burdened by many things. Some of us may well just come this morning, not not even sure why we're here or quite how we got here. Um, We might not even know what we think about you, but here we are. Would you speak to us through your word? We are people made in Your image and we are in need always, always in need of hearing Your voice speaking to us. So we pray for that this morning by the power of Your Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Okay, assuming you're not, uh, this is not your first time here. You've been coming the last few weeks, and you've been hearing about James, and we've been reading this together. Um, <clears throat> have you had that feeling, maybe at, at least at times, that, that James is just speaking, he's just a little too uncomfortably close, right? Like, uh, if those of you that are Seinfeld fans, you remember the close talker, the guy that gets right up in your face and talks to you? James is sort of like that guy. For us. And, and I've heard some of you kind of tell those stories about, you know, it sort of feels like James is looking over my shoulder this week. Well, I've had that experience myself often, uh, and, and maybe even more so than usual this week uh, as we come to these few verses here. I, I feel like God's been taking this bit of scripture and just kind of holding it up in front of my eyes like this neon sign, uh, or, or better, maybe a better picture. My, my father in law tells the story of when he was in grad school and married and. He worked all day, he was doing grad school at night, and he'd come home, he'd have to study, and he'd get hungry in the middle of the night. So he'd go into the kitchen and flip on the lights, and immediately all the cockroaches would just begin to scatter in the floor. And you know what it feels like to sort of be exposed like that, right? Suddenly the lights come on, and everything just wants to scatter. That's what it's like to come before Scripture sometimes. And for me, this passage, it's been like that uh, this week in my own life. Well, let me ask you this, if you've had that experience, uh, maybe you'll have it this morning or you have been in the last few weeks, what do we do with that when God comes in and turns on the lights for us and starts to use uh, his word when it goes to work at us, what are we going to do with that? Well, James is going to say that we've we got to listen, and there are a few things we need to listen for this morning. So, uh Let's see what James has for us. If, if, again, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've, we're just finishing up this section, the first 18 verses of chapter 1 about trials, the trials of life, and how they just work us over. But God is at work in our trials for good, often mysteriously so. So James had a lot to say about that. And next week, uh, starting, we're going to hit verse 21 again in the following verses, we're going to see James shifting into what does it mean for us to be people who hear, who listen to God's word and actually put it to work in our lives. But then, right here in, in the middle of those two sections are verses nineteen and twenty and, and if you 're just to read straight through chapter One, it, it easily feels like this kind of uh, side alley that james goes goes down for a couple of verses before he gets back onto the main hold that before he gets back on to the main road of where he 's trying to go in chapter one. but these two verses nineteen and twenty are, are incredibly important because it speaks to something very important for us, and, and here 's where i think it 's going to speak for us this morning, Um, it brings up this, this question, and James is going to get into this, but what does it mean to be somebody who is really receptive to God, who's really listening, who's really prepared that we might actually hear Him speaking to us, that we might actually see His good work in our lives, and we might respond in a way that goes along the grain of God's good work. How are we going to grow as people who are receptive to God? How are we going to be people who grow in depth of intimacy with Him? We might be attuned more and more to Him. Well, that's actually what James is hitting on in our passage um, this morning. He has something to say to us about cultivating a receptive posture to God. And it comes here. In verses 19 and 20. And what he's going to show us, he's going to give us uh, three, we'll call them disciplines this morning. Three disciplines of a life or a posture that is receptive to God. Okay, so let's jump in on these. We'll find these in verse 19 and explain a little bit in verse 20. Let, let's go back to verse 19 and read that again. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Okay, James jumps in right here with what uh, in, in in the world of Jewish wisdom literature would have been very a very common exhortation. You, you'll find other passages like this in the Old Testament. You'll find passages like this in Jewish wisdom writings that are outside of the Bible as well. This was sort of common stock kind of stuff for James to say. Uh, he goes into this stuff about, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to anger. In other words, he puts us right in the middle. Suddenly, he puts us right in the middle of the thick of how we relate with other people. Okay, now, if you're thinking, you know, first objection, maybe you know, I thought we were going to talk about knowing God, that, you know, cultivating a a responsiveness to Him, about growing in relationship with Him. But here we are. James is talking about our relationship with other people. You know, uh, how I get along with my children and my friends and my spouse and my boss, my neighbors, my clients, my coworkers. Okay, where's the stuff about responsiveness to God? Well, many of you will remember the movie The Karate Kid. As an aside, the karate kid is 25 years old. We're looking for a special activity for our anniversary weekend. <laughs> I think you know where this is going. But okay, the karate kid. Remember what happens in The Karate Kid? There's this kid, Daniel, he's getting beat up by all these kids who know karate. And he goes to Mr. Miyagi who's going to teach him karate. He goes to Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi takes him on as a pupil. Okay, So he says, show up here tomorrow morning. So he shows up, ready to learn some karate. And what does he do? Mr. Miyagi gives him a paintbrush and a can of paint, and he says, see that (laughs) 900-yard-long fence out there? I want you to go out and and paint the fence. Up and down. He's like, all right, I'll paint the fence. Spends a couple days painting the fence. Comes back, Mr. Miyagi says, you see all those junk cars in my backyard? You're going to go wax the cars. Okay, here you go, wax on, wax, you know this, wax off. (laughs) Never did that as a kid, I promise. And then after four days of this, he finally comes to him and says, what is the deal with much more colorful language than that? I've been working my tail off here for four days, you're supposed to be teaching me karate, and all I've done is painted everything in the city and waxed all your cars. Mr. Miyagi begins to throw punches at Daniel, and Daniel begins to wax on, wax off, (laughs) paint the fence, right, blocking everything that comes his way. And suddenly he realizes he thought he was out there painting the fence and waxing cars, and all along he's being trained to respond in a certain way, okay, Now that uh, is what James is at work with here, because he says if we're going to be a people who are responsive to God, then the work that goes into that, the learning how to do that, the training of that, it plays out in every relationship of our lives. So he says, of course we're going to go exactly to how you relate to the people around you, because uh, in a Christian view of the world, a love for God and love for neighbor are always inextricably bound together. Which is why Jesus says when he's asked to recap the law, he said two things. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. And he says the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, loving God and loving neighbor are not the same thing. But in the Christian view of the world, they cannot be separated from each other. In other words, you cannot be somebody who loves God if you do not love your neighbor. And you cannot truly love your neighbor if you're not somebody who knows... Uh, God's love and loves God in return. John says exactly this in 1 John chapter 4. He says, If anybody says, I love God and he hates his brother, then he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So James is saying, we're talking about a receptivity to God. Well, immediately I'm going to start talking to you about your receptivity and responsiveness to everyone else around you. What's it like for you as you relate to the people around you. And so he opens up and he says, know this, my beloved brothers. And he comes and he brings this heat. Know this. He comes in with the imperative. You have to know this. You want to be, you want to be people who know God better? Who develop a heart that's responsive to him, who grow in love for him? Know this. But this James who comes and tells us this, this close-talking pastor, also says, my beloved brothers. He says, I'm in this with you. My beloved brothers, know this. And then he tells us these three disciplines. The first of those, let every person be quick to listen. Quick to do this. Okay, if you were to look at the Greek word for this that's translated quick and looked at it more closely, you'd find that it means quick. Uh, that it means fast. He says, be quick to listen. Rush to listen. Make all haste to Listen. Pour yourself into listening. Be quick to listen to those around you, to what they're saying. Quick to hear. Okay, now, that is a learned reflex. Okay? Let me tell you about uh, some experiments I've been conducting on small children in my own house. (laughs) Don't try this at home. If you take a small child under a certain age and you sit them in front of you and you say, Okay, look at me now. I'm going to throw the ball to you. That child will look at you and you throw the ball and it bounces right off their chest. And they don't move. And so you say again, okay, we're going to try this again. Watch daddy. Okay. Kabunk. Right? And nothing. Because you have to learn how to catch a ball. You have to learn how to catch a ball. And you have to learn how for that to become uh, reflexive for you. By the time that same kid is, uh, you know, a high school basketball player, then you'd, you'd hope he'd be able to come around the corner, you'd be able to say, hey, and you'd fire a ball at him, and what are they going to do? They're going to they're catch it because it becomes reflexive. And James is saying it needs to become reflexive for us that we are quick to listen. But many of us know that does not come Naturally. We're naturally enough for us yet. He said it is a discipline for us. Be quick to listen. Quick to take in what others have to say. Uh, quick to attend to the words of others. Now, le- le- let me ask you this. Are you a, are you a good listener? Okay, I'm going to give you a very easy way to find out. Go home today and ask somebody who knows you well if you're a good listener. Your spouse your roommate, your friends, even your children. Okay, let's just give you a sample conversation. I'm going to take spouse since that is was close to home for me. And here's how you might start. Dearest, my beloved Valentine, love of my life. And it's entirely appropriate to butter them up ahead of time. When you, uh, when you speak to me, do you see evidence that I really listen to you? Do you feel heard when you speak to me? Do my responses show that I've really gotten what you're trying to say, that I've heard you? Uh, Would you say I'm quick to listen, that when you speak to me, I rush to listen, to hear what you say? Is that true of me? Go ask somebody that. Then listen. Hear what they have to say. (laughs) James says this first discipline of how are we going to be people who are responsive to God, he said it begins with being responsive to others. Are you somebody who is quick to listen or not? second discipline. He says, be slow to speak. Okay, I told a good friend of mine this week that I was preaching on this passage, and, and they laughed at me. Uh, <clears throat> and they said, well, that'll be interesting. I, of course, said, why? They said, because you have an opinion about everything. <laughs> uh, and as I've, I've thought about that, the, the real problem is, is not my um, avalanche of opinions on every matter under the sun, but that often my friends find I'm so quick to share them, right? James says, be slow to speak. And this is connected. In fact, it's the flip side of what he's just said. Be quick to listen. Okay, it's the other side of the coin. People who are quick to listen are slow to speak. They're going to make room for others to speak. They're not going to assume that they have all the information they need. They're not going to assume that they're the only voice really worth hearing. They're going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, briefly, for some of you, notice this. It doesn't say don't ever speak, right? It says be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Uh, Much like what is said to us in Proverbs chapter 17. It says this. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. And when he closes his lips... is deemed intelligent. There's hope for all of us there, isn't there? Uh, Some of you might know uh, what for me is an old college band, Vertical Horizon. They have a song called uh, Call It Even and it's it's sort of pitched as, I think it's this bad breakup song with this guy speaking uh, out of his pain to this person. Well, here's what he says. Well, I'm not the type to speak just to hear my voice. And I'm sure you'd hear me out if you had the choice, but your words keep coming out never-ending. And I wonder if I'd have to shout. And if I told you I was dying of thirst and the sky was falling just to make it worse, would you just smile and continue on as if your mouth had a race to run? Right? Be slow to speak. How are you going to know if you're slow to speak? Ask your friends. Now, third discipline leads right into it. Be slow to anger. Relevant for all of us. Got a lot of help from this, uh, from pastor named Tim Keller on this point. Some stuff found very helpful. Notice first, again, what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, don't be angry. That strikes some of you as strange. He didn't say, don't be angry. He says, be slow to anger. Because James knows that there is a right anger. There's anger put to use in a right way. You don't have to read very far uh, in Scripture to know that, that God gets angry. And Jesus even gets angry. Maybe you remember this one scene in Jesus' ministry where he uh, goes to the temple, uh, got the place of worship for God's people, and, and in the courtyard there where people from, from all the nations are meant to be able to gather... The merchants have come in and set up shop in order to sell sacrificial animals. That's a needed part of temple business. But here they are right in the middle of the worship area doing that. They've come in and they've made it this place of commerce. And they've shut people out of worship because of their greed for gain. And what does Jesus do? Meek, mild Jesus, right? He takes the time and the forethought and he weaves together a whip. And he comes in there, and he overturns all the tables, and he drives everyone out in this enormous commotion because he's angry. Because people are misusing God's temple, and they're shutting out worshipers, and it is wrong. And he gets angry. What if we had a God who never got angry? What if we had a God who did not care about the pain in this world, didn't care about the injustice, Didn't care about the ongoing global slave trade. Didn't care about people's grinding poverty and uh, the ways people are taken advantage of often by unjust oppressors. Could you imagine God who didn't get angry at that? See, the Bible says there is a right place for right anger. And above all, it says God gets angry at sin, at a turning away from him. Because sin destroys us, and it destroys others, and it destroys our relationship with God. So there is a right anger. In fact, we, we sometimes, sometimes refer to this when we feel like we experience ourselves as righteous anger. Now, here's the danger of mentioning this. As soon as I say that, you've all already labeled all your own instances of anger as righteous anger. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting at, you know, here I am in a room full of the only all righteous anger people in the planet. And here we all are here together, myself included. We need to be suspicious of our anger because scripture is suspicious of our anger. Uh, there is a right anger, but there's an anger that is corrosive and that destroys and James gives us a couple of clues on knowing whether or not our anger uh, is this kind of corrosive anger. And here's the first thing he says. He says, be slow to anger. So let me ask you this. Are you quick to anger? Is that, is that the ball that you catch? Is that where you're fast on your feet? Quick to anger. It's like second nature for you. Now, some of us are tricky. Some of us wear our anger on our sleeves. You know when some people are angry. But others of us, calm and cool on the outside, but ice on the inside, right? You can be angry loudly, and you can be angry quietly. But he says, are you quick to anger? What is it that makes you quick to anger? You've heard some of my stories. Most of them involve small children in the middle of the night. Uh, I think about the other kinds of conversations I have. Maybe you have these sometimes. Maybe you're talking to somebody and they're telling you the story about how they've been wronged in some way or you can imagine a variety of those situations and is your reaction, I can't believe that person. How could they do that to you? You know, your righteous anger just comes spurting on out, right? Over the least provocation. Are you slow to anger or are you like that balloon that has been blown up a little... Too full, and all it takes is a very small pinprick, and out it comes. Are you quick to anger? Well, James says one sign if your anger is this corrosive anger, are you quick to anger? He says be slow to anger. Um, And the other way he says, look at verse twenty. For the anger of man, again, this corrosive anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. What's he saying? God is a righteous God. He's holy. He's morally pure. He's perfect. And he calls us as his people to reflect that character too. And he says there is a kind of anger, the kind we most often taste of, that does not bring about this righteous sort of character. It it corrodes and it destroys. It causes damage. You know, righteous anger used rightly actually corrects situations and brings healing. Corrosive anger comes in and simply makes them worse. You know what it's like when you say those angry words and two hours or maybe two minutes later you wish, oh, if only I could just pull those back in. Or that those angry actions, that angry response, if only I could have been slow to be angry. What is it that's getting a hold of you? Keller says. Tim Keller says, uh, bad anger. Anger is bad. Uh, is re- released when you are trying to control an uncontrollable universe, and when you're trying to defend a spotless image of yourself. How often does our anger come leaping out when somebody's put their finger on something in us, and they and we say, "You are not going to touch that. You're not going to make me look bad here. Or you're not going to get a hold of that thing in my life." And out it comes. And James says. Be slow to anger. Okay, what do we do when we look and we see this stuff in us? I mean, here he says, here are these three disciplines. Be slow to speak. Or excuse me, be be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. What happens when when you look at your own life, as I've been doing all week, and you see all those places where that is just not quite the thing that's playing out for you? What do you do? Back to my, my father-in-law's example. You know, when the lights get flicked on in your life and you see all those little cockroaches that you didn't know were there uh, scurrying about. Where are we going to find hope in that? Well, let's look just very briefly at verse 21. We're going to get back into this more fully next week. But look again what it says. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word. If you are here last week, this is what we got to in verse 18. This word that is spoken into our lives by God. This good word that is spoken into our lives by God. This word of the gospel. Of the goodness of God's love that comes to us in the person of Jesus. The goodness of God's hope, God's message of hope for us, that our sins really can be paid for and not by us that we have a God that loves us enough to come and hate the sin and draw us home to himself through Jesus. He says we need to hear that word. A word that silences our speech. That makes us slow to speak. That silences our excuses and our blame shifting. Lord, I know I was I know I was angry. I shouldn't have been. But here's why. I know I should have listened more closely, but here's why. No, I, I shouldn't have blurted that out, but here's why. We need to hear this word of the gospel that silences our excuses and blame shifting. And also, silences our endless recitation of our resumes. No, I shouldn't have done that, God. But also, let me tell you about this. Did you hear all the good things I did for you this week? I mean, I blew it here. But don't you know that I, how much time I spent reading the Bible this week? How much time I spent praying this week? Didn't you see me help that little old lady cross the street in the middle of traffic? Didn't you, don't, don't you know about all the good stuff that I do for you, God? Word of the Gospel that comes and silences our resume. It says, that is not where your hope is to be found. Lay it down. Close your lips. Be quiet. Don't recite that to me one more time because I need to speak to you A word that silences our speech. A word that speaks to us about the end of anger. For us, in Christ, God's anger taken away. Not evaporated, as if sin didn't matter. But satisfied, paid for. When God says, yes, I'm incredibly angry over sin. And in Jesus he says, but I am going to take the hit So that you don't have to. My anger will be expended. And it will be over. And the word of the gospel says to us, for us in Christ, and the offer is for us, would we come to Christ? That the anger is over. And it's done. That God, for us now, is not only slow to anger, slow to wrath, but He's let it all go. Would we be a people that are quick to listen, quick to hear this word, the word of the gospel spoken for us? Now, this week, you need to do this week, which you need to do every week, which I need to do every week. You need to chew on this verse. You need to to read this over and over again. I spent all week with these verses. And Friday, the light started to come on. Go home and chew on these things. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would do this for us. Help us be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Come in and heal all our corrosive anger. Help us to walk away from it as we hear the good news of the gospel, that your anger towards us has been spent. And would you help us to let go of ourselves enough that we would be able to keep our mouths closed at all the right times, that we might be able to hear from others and hear from you. Lord, we want to be people who are responsive to you. So much of the way that plays out, so much of the training ground, so much of where that needs to be true for us is being responsive to others. So in both that, Loving you, loving our neighbors, would you meet us and help us in these things? We turn to you, our only Savior. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.